Wow. Yeah. Feel like we need to take a deep breath and yeah. Well, it's been a great morning, been a great week, and uh, so good to see you out for our second service at Chelton. And uh, today is our first Sunday church family service. We're going to conclude our service by focusing on the Lord's table. So we always keep that in mind when we think about our lives. It's it's all about Jesus. If you were with us last week, uh, you recall that Pastor John Shepherd took us into the book of 1 Peter, where we're looking. We're going to read this section in a moment. And John reminded us that Peter starts this paragraph by saying, the end is near. And uh, like he prayed in his prayer, and perhaps you heard last night or this morning about these mass shootings again, um, the end is near. And you wonder, right? Yeah, I got a lot of questions. And it's so good for us as Christians who are living on the margins of our society to be reminded again that that is not our story. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And, and what the Bible gives us, of course, is a look back to the beginning and a look ahead to the end. Do you hear that kind of language? The end is near. When you think of life, a personal life, you have a beginning and an end. When you think of the life of the world, there is a beginning and there is an end. This kind of linear thinking is what Scripture's story of redemption is all about. That is missing in a lot of people's hearts. Uh, they're living for the moment. They're living in anger. They're living in fear. They're living in pleasure. And the Bible gives us this full-orbed picture of the way life really is and the way life really should be. So what he, what he reminded us uh, is what Peter says next. You know, he doesn't say, the end is near, so, you know, build a bunker and hide out and survive. He doesn't say, go the other way. He says, move toward people in average, ordinary ways. You remember the way John reminded us, uh, like Peter does here, love is the key word. We are loving people from where we are. We are in the margins, but we don't stay in the margins. And John landed last week by really talking about hospitality. So were you able to do a little bit of that this week, whatever that looks like in your neighborhood, your world? Hospitality. Now, the one thing that John said last week that we didn't have time for, but now we do today, is what Peter says at the end of this passage. Another way to love is to use our gifts. So I would like us to read this paragraph once again, the same paragraph that John went over. I'm going to be looking quickly at the last major point where he says, 
the way we love each other is not just being hospitable, not just praying, but also using our gifts to serve each other for the glory of God. So here's what Peter writes in Scripture, 1 Peter 4, beginning in verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be on the alert and be of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. And if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So let's talk for just a bit about gifts. It's not Christmas, but some of you may be opening a gift this morning for the very first time that was already given to you. You see, when Paul says in verse 10, each Christian has been given a gift, a gift, that word in the original Greek language actually comes from the word grace. You could say that it's a gift given out of God's grace. And that's what the Bible calls a spiritual gift. Now, you know what yours is? I've heard in the past that some tests are available. I guess, I don't know what you call them. Uh, uh, there's a term for them where, you know, you put in who you are, what you like, what you dislike, your age, your background, your gender, and all this stuff, and I answer a hundred questions, and the computer will spit out what your spiritual gift is. Well, I've got a lot more uh, uh, simple way to do it. I'll just ask you two questions. What do you like to do for God? What really energizes you? And then number two... What do other people say you're really good at when you do what you do that you really like for God? If you get an answer to that, and if you're not sure, just ask a friend who knows you. That's what your gift is. Now, Paul, not Peter here, but Paul, when he writes letters to churches, there are two times that he actually starts to name specific gifts and what they would look like. If you go to the book of Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14, he names things like this specifically. A message that gives wisdom, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, Showing mercy. Can you hear the, the variety there? 
There's a great variety. And Peter's the one who says, you know what, I'm not going to just give you, like, here's a second list or a third list or a fourth list. He, he backs off and says, you can look at all these gifts in two major categories. One is, uh, you could call them speaking gifts. You see where he says, if anyone speaks, and then he says, if anyone serves. So, oral, like communication, and nonverbal serving other people. Speaking gifts, like what I'm doing right now. Right? My gift, I think, is teaching. Um, pastors, Sunday school teachers, VBS teachers. And Peter says here, if you do that, make sure that when you're doing it for God, because I talk a lot more than just up here, right? But when you're doing this, representing God, make sure you're really representing God, not yourself. Not just winging it, not just giving you my opinions, or not making my opinions sound like God's word. No, we know from Scripture what the Word of God is, and we faithfully communicate that. Or, if you're serving other people, you do it on the energy and the strength that God gives you. That's why I say, if it's something that really you like to do, time stands still. Or another way to say it is, you don't feel exhausted after it, because why? You're tapping into a strength that's outside of you. I mean, you may be physically exhausted, but there's not that, you know, that weariness that comes. So what's your gift? Um, some of you might be sitting there squirming a little bit and saying, well, I could never speak from the front or... You know, well, let me just let me time out here and let me just say that sometimes we exalt the public gifts or the speaking gifts as if, you know, those are really the A-plus ones, but okay, when God looked around to give gifts and oh, he reached the bottom of the bag and there he gives a serving gift. No. A thousand times no. It's not that way. They're all gifts of grace given by God to you. Now, again, step back for a minute. Look at the big picture. What is a spiritual gift? It's not just a cool thing to have and do or whatever. No. Let's go back to this big story of God's redemptive purposes. Everything was perfect the way it was. Everything was spoiled by sin and rebellion. And God didn't casually say, well, okay, let's let it run and let it self-destruct. No, God decided to invade and redeem this old creation to bring it new into this, what we call new heaven and new earth. So what did he do? He punched through that wall when his own son came to pay the price of redemption. And when Jesus went back to heaven, he sent his spirit into his people. And God then says, I'm going to take a little bit of me and show myself to the world by, uh, you know, I'm going to use a term here that 
you can correct me if this is a bad analogy, by making spiritual savants. You know what a savant is? I don't know the formal definition, but it means that someone has an extra special ability in a certain area, right? They're like an off-the-chart genius. I remember watching a documentary once about children who were savants in the area of music and arts. And they may not have, let's say, good social skills, or they may not be able to see with their eyes or hear everything, but they could create music or art like, like nobody else could. It was like they were just raised to a godlike ability. So think about it. God wants to be seen in this world, and he infuses into his people teaching, showing mercy, healing, serving. Why? Because that's who God is, and he lets his people exhibit just a little bit of that to give a taste for other people to say, I want to know this redeeming God. That's what a spiritual gift is. It's, a, it's if you want to call it a, uh, an ability or a heightened way that you can serve God and his church that's been given to you by God. So what is your gift? Um, we usually think that the professional people have the better ones, like I said, but do you realize that Gabe Godsey drew the cartoon characters that we had pasted up on the walls? It's too bad they're all taken down now, but maybe you remember them from last Sunday if you were here or here during the week. He actually drew them because God has given him an ability in art and drawing. And that's just as important as the gift that God gave Jim Lovelady and the other people who serve up here. You may not even know who Gabe Godsey is, let alone that somebody actually drew those and we didn't buy them on Amazon. Can you imagine that Lisa Field was the VBS decorator and the special needs coordinator, which means that she lined up one-on-one -on -one buddies for students with special needs. And you may not know who Lisa is. And if you were here this week, you may, thought, you may have thought, I didn't even realize that such a thing happened. And yet, Lisa, and her giftedness is just as important as these ushers who help organize church bulletins and where you sit and greeting people, people you see. Now, obviously, I can't name everybody here. This is a list that John helped me compile. How about Rebecca McMullen? You know Rebecca? She and her snack crew for VBS organize snacks for everyone. I mean efficiently. And she even specialized by getting snacks for people who had dietary restrictions and allergies. Tailor-made. Like, really? 
Yes, one person organized that. That giftedness is just as important as the board of trustees, the board of deacons and deaconesses. Well, let me give you two more. Mary Geibel, I was told, stayed up till 1.30 in the morning working on personalized notes and gifts for each of her sixth grade kids that she oversaw. 1.30 in the morning? Do you know that that giftedness is just as important as a pastor who may come to the ER to be with you in the morning early during an emergency? And then there was a group down in room 100 that met every morning called Prayer Force. Pastor Neil organized it, but people came. Not a lot of people, but people came to pray. And before they prayed, they learned what the kids were learning that day, and then they had a list of all the volunteers, workers, and they prayed through the list every day. That prayer gift, if you want to call it that, is just as important as when someone comes up here and leads us in a congregational So what should you do with your gift? Well, do you see where Peter says? Use it. Use it. Don't be afraid. First of all, it's not really you. I mean, it is you, but it's not like you have to somehow muster up the strength and the skill. It's been given to you. It's a capacity. Develop it, use it, and you'll find that when you start to use it in the right way, you will just want to keep using it. You say, well, what do you mean the right way? Well, do you see where Peter goes through here and he says, you're not just using it for self-gratification, you're using it for God to be on display. You're using it because God gave you grace so that you could show God to other people in these little ways that are so beautiful that don't point back to you, but they point back to him. That's what it's all about. So I thought you'd like to hear about two ways, just two, that God has been working in our church in the month of July. Um, I'm going to invite up uh, Judge Merwin. He's going to tell us about something that happened on a youth mission trip. So let's welcome Judge. Emma. Uh, thank you. Um, so, hello everyone. Uh, my name is Judge Merwin. Um, I'm going to be a senior this year in high school. Um, and I've been a part of uh, Chelton Youth for about six years, I think. And I've been uh, attending Chelton regularly uh, for just about a year. Um, and so this summer, our youth uh, went on two different trips. Uh, Mission, uh, two missions teams went out, uh, two different uh, communities. Uh, we sent a group of 19 middle school and high school students uh, to Blue Knob, Pennsylvania, and then we uh, sent a group of 57 high school students uh, to Chesapeake, Virginia. I was on that trip. And um, in Chesapeake, we were split into multiple groups mixed with other churches and other groups from around the country. 
And my group, uh, with Shep as our uh, uh, head crew chief, were uh, sent out to help a lady named Frances um, and fix up her home. And uh, Frances is 99 years old, and she's going to turn 100 in December. And we were just amazed at how active she was and how much she wanted to talk with us and be with us. And she was just incredibly sweet. And um, as our work began, uh, we got to talk to her. We got to know more about her family um, and met her grandson, who was staying at the house that we, uh, at the house that we were working on. And um, we noticed as uh, the week went on uh, and the week progressed with the grandson, whose name is Alfred, uh, he was becoming much more friendly and kind and began offering up uh, water, and he opened up the house to us and let us come in uh, more and more. And uh, towards the end of the week, we were able to talk with him and get to know his story a little bit. And um, he revealed to us his feelings about the church, and he, he told us that he wasn't, he wasn't fond of the church at all. Um, he had some bad experiences while being part of the church and uh, was sent away feeling very bitter. And uh, he admitted to us that when we first came, he had planned on making it the worst week of our lives and um, making it very hard for us. And, um, but then he told us that as the week progressed and saw how much we cared for his grandmother and how hard we were working and just uh, showing God's kindness through our actions and help, uh, he said by the end of the week uh, he had a complete change of heart. And he wouldn't let us leave the house without giving each of our crew members a hug. And um, it was just awesome and, like, just powerful to see um, how God can change even some of the hardest of hearts um, just by the actions and just showing God's love through how we uh, treat other people. And um, I just wanted to say thank you guys so much for praying for us and um, as we went on these trips this summer and uh, letting me share a little bit about our trip. Thank you, guys. And that's great. And you know, in Peter, he reminded us that our good works, what we do, will actually help people who are critical of the gospel to say, wow, they are nice. They do well. Maybe I should rethink who Jesus really is. So thanks for that. Let me give you a, a second testimony in just a minute, uh, but it's a VBS testimony, uh, which is kind of the theme of today. Maybe a few statistics first, we'll put this in context. We had 280 registered kids come and be here for five days and Thursday night. That's pretty amazing, almost 300. Um, Leadership-wise, this is even more amazing to me. There were 180 volunteers who helped serve those almost 300 kids. Now, hold, hold it. Uh, you're going to want to applaud when I say this. Um, out of those 180 helpers, volunteers, 75% of them were from our middle school and high school group. 75%. So I want to, want to thank, of course, Mary Davis, who is not here, Debbie McElhenney, who helped her, John, who helped recruit, and Jake, and so many. You know, it's like, where do you stop here? You just put dot, dot, dot after all these sentences like this. So um, Mary heard about a story that was so um, uh, helpful that we thought you should hear it as well. And Jen Bantle is going to come now and tell you her experience from this week. Let's welcome Jen. 
follow on what Pastor Kristen was saying, this year was my first experience with VBS. I had never attended one as a kid, and my boys had just reached the age that they were old enough. For those of you who don't know what happened here, you are missing out. The enthusiasm, the courage, the energy level that is happening in the aisles and the seats is beyond words, and most of it all, it's filled with love for the Lord. I invited one of my boys' classmates, classmates from school to attend. We had had this family over to play and for meals, and as Pastor John mentioned last week, we built a relationship with them before we invited them to church. And they said, yes, we'd love to come. So when I picked up the boys from VBS on Tuesday, I asked the friend, what was your favorite part? I had ideas of what I was expecting. So all of you that were here, the teens, the kids, what, I want you to shout out, what was your favorite part of VBS? Games, music, crafts, that's what I was expecting. This little boy said when I asked without hesitation, I really loved reading that book. What book? Yeah, the book with all the stories in it. His Bible, which he had had and had never opened. And he saw for the first time how good God was and his amazing stories in the book. And that led to a very detailed conversation about the lesson for the day. And the lesson of the day, this little boy who had never stepped in a, in a church building and opened his Bible said, did you know that Jesus gives us living water? Whoever comes to him shall never thirst. And my two six-year-old boys who are a little more open asked, but mom, what does that mean? We don't actually drink Jesus. No. Why do we still get thirsty when we play outside? And God gave me the privilege to explain to them, when Jesus says living water, he means that he fully satisfies our hearts and we have no need of anything else. And these conversations were sparked by the lessons and the games and the activities and songs that the boys participated in at VBS. It provided an opportunity for one little boy to open his Bible for the first time and be enthralled by an amazing God. So a big thank you to all of the adults and the teenagers who participated in VBS. You each were using your gift to serve the Lord so that Jesus was glorified. Great. Thank you, Jan. Well, living water, living bread. I'm going to ask as I pray our deacons to come and our elder Bob Shine will serve with me at the table. If you know Jesus as your Savior, please feast with us. And if you don't, then don't take the symbols before you take the reality. This is a great time to look to Jesus as your Lord and Savior if you've never done it before. So Lord, we thank you for 
the gifts. But Lord, we thank you, the giver, for the most indescribable gift you gave to us, your son. As we come to his table now, we ask you to feed us with bread from heaven. In his name we pray, amen.